You are listening to the Birth Bruja podcast, radical, transformative, empowering birth work in all its nuances. Reproductive justice, racial justice, reclaiming ancestral wisdom, decolonizing the birth space. Here, my friends, we go deep. Join us each month as we chat with activists, scholars, healers, community wellness workers, birthing folk, and beyond to explore topics from their roots to their leaves. Hello, brave ones. Thanks for listening to the Birth Bruja podcast. I'm your host, Eric Guajardo Johnson, and this is episode four, Ancestral Medicine Series, part three. Last episode, we connected with birth worker Jenny Silva to explore more specifically what it looks like to weave ancestral medicine into our lives and birth work. We answered the questions, how can ancestral medicine support our wellness as birth workers? Why is it important to decolonize birth and stay connected to ancestral traditions? What could our birth offerings look like if we were to specifically include our traditions in our offerings? In this episode, we speak with Heaven Celeste Thunder, a mother, healer, and medicine maker, about her journey into ancestral medicine and motherhood. Tracing the footsteps of her ancestors, Heaven found herself walking a long journey towards ancient wisdom and teachings. Being born in a ghetto in Los Angeles County, she was deeply removed from the sophistication and creativity of her most recent heritage, the indigenous people of Mexico. The daughter of two immigrants, Heaven felt the faint remnants of her parents' upbringing and culture left behind them, a mixture of the indigenous peoples with the Spanish conquest. Her energetic field immediately attuned to her first experience with Aztec culture, and she passionately pursued this calling, despite her father's apathy. Heaven's current education in traditional Chinese medicine and traditional Mexican medicine began alongside her involvement with Aztec dance and ceremony. She entered a formal master's program in traditional Chinese medicine and an informal regathering and remembering of ancient Mexican medicine. Both of these forms of nature-based medicine look at the entire health of the individual instead of looking at the symptoms of disease. The vision of Heaven's private clinical practice will tie East Asian and Mesoamerican medicine together to support health and well-being on all levels, mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical. She plans to emphasize her studies on women's health and pediatrics with a strong foundation in the emotional-spiritual. You can find her chasing her master's at Oregon County of Oriental Medicine in Portland, on hikes with her boo and their baby. An Aztec dance, ceremonies, demonstrations, rallies, and a Native American healing ceremonies. A nourishing conversation lies ahead. Stay tuned. Sending a big, warm welcome to Heaven Celeste Thunder for joining us today on the Birth Bruja podcast. Uh, Heaven, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. Thank you. So to start us off, please tell us a little about yourself. Where do you come from? What are you doing these days? Yeah, so um, I was born in L.A. County um, in the San Fernando Valley. And that's where a lot of my journey happened before I came to the Pacific Northwest, to Portland area. Mm. And now I'm in a Chinese medicine program. I'm just finishing up my second year. I'm about to start. Um, learning all the fun techniques, and I have been practicing at home too, which is really great. Mm. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's a very rigorous program. It's very demanding, and then just having a family and a child is also very demanding. So I, I'll sometimes sneak out of that and go on hikes or go to ceremony and things like that. How old is your little one? She's going to be two soon in August so she's just a little toddler right now a little little one so sweet and oh listeners I forgot to mention that heaven is joining us from a park so if you hear the songs of birds or the pitter patter of feet that is what you're hearing so heaven there's so much that we could touch upon. I really appreciate your willingness to speak with me. You have so many weavings in your life. I mean, in addition to being a mother, you are a medicine maker. 
you uh, study, as you mentioned, Chinese medicine, and you also study indigenous Mexican healing modalities. So there's a lot that we are going to talk about today. I was wondering to dive into that story, if you could share where it all began. Uh, did you start practicing medicine before you became a mother, or were you a mother before you started practicing medicine? So I really connected to when you shared with me that you first stumbled upon medicine through Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. And it's a little indirect, but when I was just navigating through the education system, through college and all that, I took a yoga class. And I was very disconnected to my inner knowing, very disconnected to the wisdom inside of myself, and just like very focused on the external world. And when I took that yoga class, I remember the feeling of my thigh against my chest mm. was amazing. Like I started to recognize myself as myself, recognize my body, and just all the things that I hadn't learned about by looking at myself. It was mind-blowing to me. Mm. And from there, you know, I tried to figure out what was this whole mental health thing because my mom has a, she has a mental disorder, as doctors would say. Um, and I saw a lot of just in Chinese medicine, we call it a shen disturbance where the consciousness of the individual is shattered. It's not... It's not balanced, it's not present. They're not responding appropriately to the present moment. And so I saw my mom do that a lot. And I thought I wanted to pursue Western medicine and um, psychiatric medicine, but something else was calling me. And I, I knew in my heart that I wanted to learn the medicine of my ancestors, especially when I first saw Asic Dance. Hmm. I was in community college and I was just this kid, you know, partying and all the things to get that youth wasted very, very quickly. <laughs> but um, I remember I was on campus and I saw this big majestic woman who is now my sister, Ingrid, Lamina, and she had her her dress on and she had her her poposhkomi, which is kind of like a little vessel where you'll see the copal, mm -hmm. the incense burn. And then I heard the drums, and I remember just falling on my knees. It was the first time I had ever experienced something on such a deep level. Like, the vibrations and frequency of the drum and the, the seeds that they used to dance with, it grounded me so hard for the first time in my life that I, I fell on my knees. And I just knew from that moment that there was something about that that I had to find out more, and something about myself that I had to find out more the connection between those two. And I think that's the first time that I really, I was having a conversation earlier with my friend and we were talking about ancestral medicine and how, you know, there's folks like for my, for myself, I'm studying ancient Chinese medicine, but yet I don't know right now ancestors who I have it in my DNA. I've taken a DNA test, but I don't have them directly right now. I don't have that culture with me right now, but I see folks who aren't Chinese who take the program and they completely transform. They're totally different than when they first started. And that's the effect of, of ancient medicine. That's the effect of, of this wisdom that's connected to nature and the elements and the universe. It really shifts us as individuals. Yes. Yeah, it really shifts us as individuals. It really shifts our, our consciousness, our ability to respond in the moment. And to respond to ourselves. Yes. Yeah. So dance is what really called me. And so how did you start uh, dancing around the same time that you started your current program? Yes. I started a program in L.A. Ah. Um, and I did a lot of danza. Like, I fully transitioned. I had substance abuse disorder. I um, I was very, you could say, lost, very unsure about my own path, my own purpose. And danza really just, like, consolidated my being. It really brought me in to myself. It really, like, with the limpias, you know, and just calling the spirit back into the body. It really just pulled me back into myself. And 
made me really understand the question, who am I? What am I doing here? Um, For folks who aren't too familiar with danza, could you speak a little bit more about that? Yes, yes. Danza is a, a moving meditation that has been preserved through family generations that the Aztec would do and even the Maya would do hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. Um, it's a, a dancing ceremony and also a form of understanding ourselves emotionally, psychologically, understanding our connection to the elements, to the universe, and also preserving that knowledge, those observations that they had. They preserved them in the rhythms, in the drum beats, in the dances. And so it holds a lot to it. Some folks just see it as a physical endeavor, but most folks, even if they're quote-unquote outsiders, can feel that there's more to it than just a dance. It has a lot of intention, and it just has a lot of information that's not so much tangible, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes absolute sense. Actually, I think that's how I would describe the first time I saw a morning blessing by a dancer mm. troupe in the city. I'd never, coming from Michigan, I'd never seen that before. And it was so tangible and I could barely find words to describe what it was. Yeah, that's yeah. the feeling. So just diving into that because, I mean, it's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong teaching. Healing is lifelong and just getting to the tip of the iceberg of myself, I knew that the things that I wanted to align in my life could happen. So when I did go into Danza and I began to heal myself for the first time in 23 years, I really started to see things align in my life with my values and with my own philosophy of life. Because of Danza, I was able to pursue a formal education in traditional Chinese medicine. And I also saw the correlation between Chinese medicine and traditional Mexican medicine, traditional Mayan medicine, which are completely similar. Yes. I'm always in awe of the endless overlaps of traditional indigenous medicine all over the world. It's Mm -hmm. so fascinating and really strengthening to the heart, I feel. Yes. It definitely gets into the heart of, of humanity mm-hmm. and um, just the way that we're interconnected. You know, different cultures of the world, you know, science says that we all come from Africa, but just different parts of the world, different adaptations to nature, the elements have affected us differently. So we make different languages and we make different symbols and we make, you know, different ways of life because our environment shapes us so much. But yet the same basics, the same basics in nature. Right. Could you give us an example of a way in which your studies of either traditional Mexican healing or traditional Chinese medicine, the way in which they wove into the other or strengthened the other or gave you a whole different perspective than you were expecting? Yeah. First, I want to acknowledge the interruption that happened in the Mesoamerican area, like with the ancient Mexicas, the Olmecs, the Maya, they had such a sophistication with medicine that was unfortunately burned or frowned upon and punished, whipped out of. And so I believe personally that the preservation of that medical knowledge and science wasn't able to withstand through the conquests that happened. So, like, take us to China, where 2,000 years ago, they had a different unraveling of their culture. They were able to preserve most of their books of medicine, most of their scientific observations that they wrote down that we have today that I have the privilege of studying at school. Mm-hmm. And so they speak of the elements and they speak of, you know, the things like wind, los aires, which you'll see a lot in traditional Mexican medicine, traditional Maya medicine. 
and they talk about plant knowledge, which was also very frowned upon when the Spanish came and they converted folks to Catholicism or Christianity. Plant medicine was very frowned upon and looked as as a sin, but it's something that's very strong in all cultures that we're starting to bring back now, and there's even scientific um, experiments and trials and all kinds of herbs. So I, I see those correlations, especially the concept of air, so external natural influences coming into the body and causing an imbalance. And then also internally, like the seven emotions that are also in Mexican medicine and Chinese medicine. Both acknowledge the importance of emotions and how they shift the flow of energy, the circulation of energy, and even fluids in the body. And so these observations, you know, it's so powerfully connected. When I went to Oaxaca, and I had the opportunity to spend time with Doña Enriqueta and Estela Roman and Doña Socorro. I got to see them work with this medicine. Whereas I didn't read it from books, I didn't take like formal courses. I got to experience it with them. And just seeing those correlations so quickly, I mean, it was only two weeks. And seeing Doña Enriqueta using pressure at certain points on the body, just like acupuncture, it was It was fascinating, and it really, you know, I had a hard time in the beginning of um, Chinese medicine school, just how do I incorporate myself into into these teachings where I feel so Mexican, you know, I feel so indigenous Mexican. How do I fit into this? And finally getting to experience indigenous Mexican medicine really helped me see that these medicines are not just for a certain ethnicity or a certain person it's what's your intention you know who are you what do you value what do you want to preserve on this earth what do you want to share what kind of message do you want to give out into the world to carry that this morning i am i pulled some oracle cards and i got the sun and i got a hiccup the wind and that's just like light and messages and realizing that We come from certain experiences and certain places in the world, but we're all trying to bring a certain message and a certain light wherever we go. That's the ultimate virtue that we can bring. Yes, yes. And I think this actually is a continuation of some conversation that we had before uh, we started recording about, about life and our existence being so multifaceted that, you know, just as we have multiple bodies, right, physical body, emotional body, energetic body, spiritual body, there's all these layers and relationships to identity and to ancestral experience. And so just as our remembered ancestors and just as the way that we manifest in this body, right, with the color of our skin, the structure of our features, et cetera, like just as those are all incredibly important into playing a role of how we experience this world and how the world experiences us, there's so many other stories and influences that are simultaneously being told. And so I really appreciate this conversation about like the the weaving together of ancestral Chinese medicine and ancestral Mexican medicine because I think it's a beautiful example of how Things are not cut and dry, nor have they ever been. And I think it's the most difficult conversations that we can have with ourselves and with each other is is just uh, diving into gray areas and asking uncomfortable questions and sitting with them and then returning again and again in contemplation of relationship. And I think sometimes in the Bay, at least, I feel particularly... Um, sometimes as community of like brown and black folk, we can get caught up in, in authenticity as if somehow our authenticity as a human being is dictated by external Mm. definitions. And while authenticity, yes, is, is, is really important. I think integrity is also a really important piece to relationships right like integrity with the medicines that we practice whether they're from literally our grandmother 
or whether like in my situation, my family's so many generations removed from ancestral medicine that even though I feel like it's an aspect of home, you know, I still recognize the distance. And so therefore I feel like having integrity in my exploration of exploring ancestral medicine is so important. Um, it's not like automatically mine just because I can, you know, prove that I have ancestral blood in the land that is now called Mexico, if that makes any sense. Yes. I had a really big revelation when I decided to take a DNA test and I had my partner do it too. And my partner is so, like, he's like a deep red brown. Like, he looks so native. And I'm a little bit more fair-skinned, you know? And so I thought he was going to have a higher percentage of native genes than I did. But it turns out that he has less than I do. He has a smaller percentage, but his skin, like the genes that he has carried on, Mm -hmm. he has coding in his body to have more pigments, more melanin um, than I do. But I have a higher percentage of Native American, which is so mind-blowing, right? Like you look at a person and the color of their skin or their features is going to tell you everything about them. But it really doesn't. So we're just a a beautiful soup of our ancestors, where they've been, who they mated with, you know. And when I saw those results, it humbled me to the floor because it's really not about appearances. It's not about our exterior. Like, that's just a a small fraction of the individual. So many folks who, who grow up where, let's say, it's predominantly brown and they're fair skinned. They can have such a hard experience. And just trying to live from dictating people's personalities from their exterior is is very limiting, I think, in my personal opinion. And there's so much more to it. I mean, you feel removed from from those ancestors, but you feel called to the medicine. And I think on an energetic level, that says so much about you. You know, that says so much more about you than than just how folks see our exterior, you know, like what are our values, like I said earlier, what, what is our philosophy, like what calls to us, that's the most important in my opinion, and that's how we get to know who we are, like just throw that garbage away about other folks telling us who we are, you know, other right. folks telling us like, oh, you're, you're this because you look this way, or, you know, you grew up in this neighborhood, so you're that, it's not important at all, like, we're already seeing in the educational system where we teach children a certain way, where we're just tossing information at them instead of thinking about, like, what is their individuality? Like, how do they learn? What type of learner are they? Are they tactile? Are they auditory? There's so much more to it than just trying to dump things on people. Like, I think right now, and the plants are coming back so much, is how do we get to know ourselves? You know, how do we get to know who we really are inside, not all this muscle and flesh that we have, but what we carry within us, it's so much more. Yes. You know, and Ayurveda and traditional Mexican medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, it's all connected to the observation of nature. You know, not the observation of the man's beliefs, you know, like these laws that we've invented these societies that we've invented, these governments that we've invented, we're looking at creation itself. That was a really beautiful piece that you just added, and it's kind of blowing my mind. Um, (laughs) I was just (laughs) going to say that, I mean, just really affirming what you're sharing and how my experience of practicing medicine and also being in communities of folks who are on their journey of integrating this medicine uh, and, and I'm talking broadly on purpose here, um, is that the continual spiraling of reflecting back upon who, are, right? Who are we? Like, what's important to me? Like, what impact do I want to be made, right? All those things, a continual spiral again and again, I feel is so strengthened by having a practice that it allows us to become wider and deeper and taller to be able to hold the contradictions that exist all at the same time, to be able to to name and recognize how circumstances of, you know, this land and this body at this moment of time, 
you know, like race and or racism and capitalism and patriarchy and homophobia and all those things, how they could be yeah. so very real and the pain and the trauma be so real. And at the same time, returning again and again to our limitless nature. That's uh, something that Ayurveda talks a lot about, about the fact that we are so much more than just this bodied experience that while the embodied experience gives us so much gifts and so much wisdom, that simultaneously we are more. And it's part of our medicine, I feel, to connect with the expansive aspects of, of self, whether that be connecting with a higher being, creator, God, whether that be connecting you know, with uh, our community, with our ancestors, with our chosen community, and therefore the ancestors of that community. I feel that Yes, that expansive width is what allows us to simultaneously create change and dismantle oppression while healing, and not just healing ourselves, but healing our ancestors and healing our descendants all at the same time. Yes. When we're called to a certain medicine, it's not just the taking of that knowledge, but also the preservation of it, you know? Mm where we learn it from, the communities where, where they preserve it, we're, we're feeding into that. We're feeding into the prolongation of that teaching and also to enrich that community. You know, it's, it's something else. If folks are interested in a certain knowledge or medicine and they go to that place, they take and they never come back right. or they never give back. That is a destructive type of involvement. You know, we want to... When we find who we are and we want we want to give life to that, we also want to give back to that. And that's the most important part, you know. There's there's so much talk about cultural appropriation and it's a very true thing and there's like you said, nuances to it. Um, we want to feed into that community and give back and respect where it comes from and not try to copyright or take and never return. Those are also very important when we're Stepping on how how can we bring back these ancient medicines and and keep them alive, keep them sustainable, right? You know, I think that for folks in this country, in particular, part of our challenge is going to be that a lot of these offerings are done in the form of workshops, classes, you know, uh, educational programs. They're done in, I guess, Western palate, while mm-hmm. traditionally, right, a lot of these. Uh, traditions were passed down through years and, as you mentioned, a lifelong dedication and practice, right, where the teachers identify sincere students. It's not just something, oh, here's my money, you know, I deserve to have every all the information you have to offer me. So I think that part of part of our work as, as Western folks here is going to be to, as you just mentioned, to practice integrity and to honor and to recognize not just the ancient culture from which the medicine came from, but the current culture from which those roots still reside. Yeah. So to not get caught up in capitalism and marketing and all the sexiness that is, you know, new age woo-woo. <laughs> yes, that's a whole other, that woo-woo medicine. Um, <laughs> that gets, you know, it takes pieces of different medicines and then it creates this whole new thing, which is... um a whole other topic but yeah the workshops and the you know charging to to learn and that's I feel like that's the duality of our quote-unquote modernization Mm -hmm. and our technological advancement quote-unquote you know we're living in a time of money and it's so tough like to remove ourselves from that system because we're within that system and just recognizing money not in a way that's traumatic but recognizing its place in our life and how it's also a type of energetic flow. You know, it's a symbol for something. And to keep these medicines sustainable, we can't live how we did back then. That system is not in place anymore. We do live in in a time of money. And so, you know, knowing the right amount to charge to keep it sustainable, to keep it going, because a healer can't, give things out for free like they have to pay bills they have to eat they have to continue learning you know be able to travel and gather and save information that could be slowly fading away and bring it back to their communities bring it back to their families and to continue sharing it 
it's so important to be able to recognize the financial aspect and yes. to see it in a healthy way. Yes, yes. So um, unless there's another piece that you would like to add, I'd like to shift gears a little bit and uh, start talking about your, or rather to hear more about your experience as a mother and how you can, if you're interested in sharing your journey into motherhood and or just what is it like being a mom while being so deeply immersed in study and practice? It is so fucking hard. <laughs> it's extremely hard. I had no idea. I mean, I fell in love and I thought everything would be easy. And I was like, I can't be apart from you. And so he's like, just stay. We'll, we'll go get your stuff and you can just stay. And I was like, yes, I'll transfer. And, and then when I was pregnant and he was so excited and I was like, no, wait, I need to finish school. I want to do this. It's a lot of work. I don't know. And he's like, oh, yay, we're going to have a baby. And, and I was so in love. And I was like, yeah. And he said, you know, we'll just lay in your lap and we'll let you study. And it was just this cute idea. But the reality of it is that it's so much. Just especially if I I have such a passion for parenting with the most attention mm-hmm. and awareness that I can offer to my child. Growing up, my parents, you know, they, they came from Mexico. They, they didn't have their families. They didn't have their culture. They had to work since they were here. And just being so removed from themselves, like I said in the beginning, just so focused on the external world and what's in the media and what's in the news and what the government approves and all those things. They just completely forgot who they are and forgot the the wisdom of our internal self and how we influence each other. I mean, scientists say the first three to six years are completely vital for children. And when parents are trying to navigate themselves and navigate parenthood at the same time, that can really place emphasis somewhere else. And I know that I personally want to put a lot of attention and emphasis into my child's experience her first few years. So giving so much devotion to parenting and then giving so much devotion to school and trying to squeeze in romance and housework and all those things it's definitely overwhelming and just for folks out there who are parents and who do want to you know chase their dreams in the world and make an impact and even if it's just with in their own lives with their own children to not give up you know to to continue and to find to find support if that's you know your parents or your friends or a parenting club or just wherever, like a counselor. There's so many services here. We're so blessed in Mexico. There aren't social social programs. And like here in the Pacific Northwest, they have a program called Healthy Families, which helped me so much with parenting. Like if there's there's so many great resources out there, but we have to find them because a lot of them are nonprofits. And they don't have the money to market. They don't have the money to have make a commercial. You know, sometimes they don't have enough to be on media. But just to look for those and, and know that a lot of folks want to share their experiences parenting and their struggles and then give it back to the community and to donate their time. And the Healthy Families program for me was outstanding to have someone come to my home when I'm running to the bus, running to class, studying while I'm running somewhere, to have someone come to me and talk to me about parenting. And I got to learn about e-parenting, emotional parenting, which, you know, a lot, I know that my Mexican mom and dad believe that emotions are just like this obstacle, right? Like, oh, you, you know, especially for guys, for what they consider men, to have emotions and to express them is a no-no. Like, you need to suppress it within you. You need to get over it. And that doesn't work. And we've seen the byproduct of that, right? We've seen machismo. Right. 
come from that suppressing it and then it just like blows out of that person because emotion is another form of energy and another form of flow that needs to flow and not become stagnant so to learn this concept of emotional parenting and to learn the consciousness that my child comes into this world with even from the womb even from the ovary even from the, the semen the sperm cell it was reaffirming for me and for everything that I'm, I'm studying and how impactful emotions are it just all beautifully weaves together just like nature and just like our cells like if everything is so interconnected whatever experiences we have on our path whatever struggles difficulties we can take the treasure out of it we can take like what am i learning in this moment uh, no matter what suffering it is or what joy, like what am I learning and how to apply it in all aspects of our life. This medicine, traditional medicine, nature-based medicine, completely comes into our relationships, the way that we look at the world, the way that we look at ourselves. It's helped me so much um, and given me so much hope. The tired nights when I come home and I fall asleep on the living room floor, you know, the nights where my baby doesn't sleep and where she has tantrums, she doesn't want to eat, she's sick. It's just really helped me have hope, have faith in the moment, surrender to what's happening, and then to have tools, to have beautiful tools for the stress and tools to connect to my child, to help my child connect to her surroundings, to connect to nature, which is us. It's I mean, it's just everywhere. The medicine is everywhere. That was such a beautiful, beautiful share. Thank you for that very much. Um, my heart is <laughs> my heart is aching right now. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I I both have questions and I also <laughs> want to share um, all at the same time. Uh, I just, I think the examples that you gave of how your personal practice weaves into your parenting practice, I think that's so beautiful because I feel that sometimes folks get caught up in thinking that religious and or spiritual practice, right, where there's ritual and regimen, that sometimes people get caught up in thinking that it's a separate part of our life, right? That it's like, mm. it's like jogging or something. You either do it or you don't. You either <laughs> fit it in your day or you don't. When in reality, this wisdom is so multifaceted that I loved all your examples about how like even being in the throes of a two-year-old screaming, rolling around in the ground, how even in that moment of probably total despair um, and all these other emotions that you can still (laughs) seek to find meaning. Even if it's, you know, whether it be something profound or whether it just be realizing that this isn't going to last forever and that it's only going to be a matter of time until you know you're going to wish that her emotions were flowing so freely right that you could be there to receive it and I also loved your just that that image of coming home and being exhausted and just releasing onto the ground just letting (laughs) right your body let the earth hold you because I think as parents and as folks who are in families it's really important for us to have those practices of release and peace where well peace is I guess some people can feel peace other people may not but those moments of release where we practice the art of just laying and letting the earth hold us physically letting the earth hold our responsibilities and just in that moment just feeling our existence and trying to, again, create meaning in the exhaustion, right? Like even if it, nothing else is like proof that the, that exhaustion is proof that like that we're alive and that we're working hard towards something, right? Towards creating something. Yeah. And interestingly, I was getting right a lot of visuals when you were sharing and it made me think about something that I haven't thought about in a long time. And it was... Not to totally, totally change gears or get super dark, but um, two summers ago, my partner and I, we got pregnant and then we lost baby at 10 weeks. 
And mm-hmm. the aftermath of that miscarriage was very humbling and intense. Mm-hmm. And I am someone who am a champion at compartmentalizing my emotions. Mm. And so then, right, just that experience brought everything to a point. And there's one day I was able to take a few days off of work to continue, you know, the process of the miscarriage and then just to try to gather my pieces. And I was just feeling really pissed and really angry. And like, I didn't want to eat. Like, I felt like that anger for my body. So I didn't want to eat. And I didn't want to go outside because I felt anger at the world. Like, there's so many dramatic things happening at once. And then I, I have dogs and they needed to go outside. So I opened the door to let them outside. And just before I closed it, I look up and the morning sun. And I, we have a, um, we're lucky enough to have a backyard and, um, and I'm kind of, uh, you know, earthy witch slash I'm not super into manicured gardens. So therefore it was a plant jungle. And uh, <laughs> and so the sun came at such an angle where all across the garden, I could see these thin iridescent shining strands of spider web. Mm. And it was like, and so I step outside into the deck and then all at once I could see that the spider web was connecting the decaying leaves with the invasive weeds that I sometimes feel grumpy about, along with, you know, the the medicine, right? Like the, the plantita babies that, you know, I'm intentionally trying to cultivate. All at once, I had this powerful visual representation of the connectivity of things and how even even when I'm not aware of it, that connectivity still exists and to still somehow see beauty in that, the connection between mm. the decay and the loss with the connection of new life and intentional cultivating and all those things. Yeah. And it just really, again, in just one moment, it allowed me to grasp like a sense of width where even though I was still feeling all those feelings, my container got that much wider and I knew that there would be more to come you know that there was more than just the anger and then that began the processing of connecting to the joy of even having had the experience of having a life inside me even if it was for a short period of time you know so that like allowed me to reconnect to those sort of lessons um eddie that is so fucking powerful i'm so proud of you that you (laughs) that you saw that at that moment and that you've become so resilient with such a big loss you know, and a lot of us want to compartmentalize. We want to put things in little categories and departments. And, you know, that's just how Western thinking is. Like, it's very linear and very compartmental. But the truth is that everything is woven together, like those spider webs that, that you saw. And everything really is happening all at once or happening behind the scenes. And... You know, folks think, like, if I'm just spiritual with my with my kid, my kid's going to be spiritual, too. But there's so much to it, you know. There's so much to a human being. Right. There's so much to, there's the mental. I mean, we use language to name these things, these this phenomenon, this human phenomenon. But there is so much to us, like our emotions, our thoughts, our actions, our physical what we eat, where where we walk, what we listen to, what we read, it's all working at the same time. Our our DNA, our where we live, it's all happening at the same time and sometimes we get so caught up in this human experience that we don't realize what's happening behind the scenes. Like the stars are moving. Hmm. The, you know, the earth is shifting because of it. We're shifting because of it. Each season, like it comes and then different energies arise. It's so important and just for you to take that moment and to see that, you know, and to let that be your medicine, to let that bring you along and to, to carry you, to, to embrace you. It's happening all the time and it's always there and it's always accessible. And these, these ancient medicines that, that we learn, it's just really you know, reaffirming that and giving it more form and more shape so that we work with it. Like my teacher, my shiatsu teacher, she says, um, Susan Hare, she says, energy is amorphic, so it has no form. We're giving it a form so that we can work it, we can shift it. 
and that's what this medicine does, and that's what we can do in every moment. You know, there's some days I'm hella not spiritual. I'm, like, cranky. I'm, like, flipping to their side, and my baby's, like, trying to climb on me, giving me, like, this morning. I um, felt really bad on my knees at school. Like, I, I was carrying, like, all kinds of bags. I was carrying all kinds of books, and I just, like, hurt my knees real bad. So this morning, my baby was, like, her usual climbing up on my abdomen and sitting on top of me, and I was like, no. And I was so pissed, and she was just crying for, like, half an hour. But then, you know, I came back to it. I came back to that love and that playfulness, and just it's happening all the time. And not to judge ourselves, you know, that's something that we do a lot. I know that sometimes I catch myself doing that and just realizing and apologizing to my baby and, you know, catching myself. What's the learning moment? What am I learning right now? And how can I do it better next time? And that's the beauty of consciousness and medicine. It's like we heal one day and then, you know, something happens. And then, okay, what did I do last time? Did it work? Do I need to do something different? And just being scientists, being intuitive, being healers, it's happening all the time. And we don't give ourselves credit for it. Yes. And that's such a beautiful parallel as human beings, right? Our processes aren't linear. They never have been, even if we like to paint them that way. But similarly, I think sometimes folks with parenthood uh, in regards to actually like raising a child and then also within your own process of being a parent, I think sometimes folks get caught up in thinking that that process should be linear as well when we know it's not. But yet that, you know, the, the detachment right between like our expectations and right, even if we know it's not about being perfect or about being linear, somehow we still shame ourselves for not Mm -hmm. presenting in that way. So I would love to talk more, girl. I want to bring you to the Bay and drink fancy tea and talk about all sorts of things. (laughs) But unfortunately, we are coming more um, towards the end of our conversation. But I would really love for you to share a little bit with folks about the medicine that you create and sell and educate folks on. Yeah, it all started at Yosan University. I had a really, like, I love that school so much. I love my school now, but the vibe is so different in LA, so diverse. And I'm in Portland, so not so diverse. Um, but I had this really great friend, and she she's a mama. I wasn't a mama at the time, but she's a mama, and she's just, like, such an expansive energy, so bright. And she... Um, really pushed me into herbs when I was there and I made a, I it started with a liniment that I made an herbal Chinese herbal liniment to move the blood and to promote tissue regeneration and to reduce inflammation and, and I was like this is great like I can learn this make this and bring it to my dansa community because dansa is so high impact and I see a lot of injuries I see a lot of folks who they're eager and they don't like, listen to their bodies. They don't slow down when they need to. When I was pregnant, I didn't want to slow down. But there's so many injuries that happen. And just to be able to make that medicine and to bring it to my community, it felt so good. Mm. Because the plants are there. And a lot of plants are being over-harvested now. And they're not being treated the, the way that they used to. Like, you know, there's, there's a um, Karen Sanders. She's a Native American herbalist, and she talked about how, you know, harvesting before you you have to see an herb a certain amount of times before you take from it. Um, but then there's there's lots of cultivation now, which is great, and those herbs are here for us, and they're being, you know, the caretakers of those herbs. These herbs want to share their medicine with us, and um, they want to share their vibration with us, and so just to be able to work with herbs and really powerful herbs that have been talk- talked about and used for thousands of years, I was so excited. And it all started from that. I, I bottled it and, you know, folks really loved it. And so when I was pregnant and I really, you know, I used to wear makeup and perfume that had a lot of stuff in it that I didn't know what it was. You know, um, I'm not a chemist. I'm not a biochemist. To see these 
substances that don't seem like even my language. I was uh, intimidated and just reading about all the effects of what we put onto our body and it goes directly into our child, even through breast milk. I just, I was like, what can I do? What can I make where I feel safe, where I know my baby's safe? Like I can kiss my baby, hug my baby. It can be all up on her skin and she's going to be like, it's going to be natural where it doesn't drastically change her, her biology, her physiology. I became such a nerd when I was pregnant and I just wanted to read all about that and experiment at home, you know, make potions, make things where I know what I'm putting on my skin and I know the intention and I know where it comes from and to feel safe with that. It became a passion of mine. Honestly, there were nights where, especially when I first started, like making the site, making the labels, like all that quote unquote fun stuff, Hmm. which was pretty fun. But um, I would sometimes stay up all night, which is totally against Taoist medicine and, you know, how important sleep is. But I was just, I had a light inside of me and I wanted it to spark and I wanted to share it. And yeah, I mean, I, I have to say that being a mom really drove me deeper into making stuff at home and to learning about the substances that we use on our bodies, the plants and all that good stuff. What sort of offerings are you making? What sort of offerings can folks check out and purchase and where can they go to do all that? Yeah, so um, I I make some Chinese herbal topicals and I just started expanding September 2017. I had made the trauma liniment and I used it for two years and there's something just sparked inside of me to continue to learn about the herbs. And I'm just starting them at school right now, so I'm getting to know them in a classroom setting. But from there, I did uh, sprays with essential oils, which I kind of am stepping away from a little bit because um, essential oils are so concentrated and so powerful. I do want to be a little bit more careful about those, but I do make them with so much intention and I source them from Snow Lotus which is a company in Santa Rosa and the owner is an acupuncturist so he actually has books on essential oils and the effects on the body certain acupuncture points which I'm totally going to delve into when I finish school but these essential oils are sourced consciously and fair trade and He's excellent with that. So I do trust him with the essential oils. And from there, I started to make skincare products and just some fun stuff, like some stuff with coffee in it, because I was trying to avoid coffee when I was pregnant and not have too much of a stimulation to my child, because already our culture is very overstimulating, not just with technology and information, but just what's available to us all the time. So I really was conscious about how I can bring more of what they say in um, Chinese medicine, more yin to my baby's life, more relaxation, more stillness. And um, so I, I really wanted to get the coffee out, but also still play with it. So I have some fun topicals with coffee. Um, and they're all growing still and I'm still expanding. I just started delving into personal care, like remineralization tooth powders, Mm. bringing um, more minerals back into the enamel because cavities aren't from like not brushing your teeth, not flossing your teeth. There's a lot of holistic dentistry happening right now and I'm seeing how it's the whole integral aspect of the body and the minerals in the body that prevent those cavities from happening. So learning those good boundaries of teeth so that they don't rot, they don't let things in that they shouldn't. Um, So yeah, tooth powders, um, I'm just delving into deodorant and lip balm and really just trying to make all that practical stuff that I'm going to have in my home for life and to know that it's safe and to know that I make it with love. Yeah, and it's, it's growing. 
Um, but right now I just have a little shop called Big Cartel. So um, I share the website with you, but the Big Cartel site. And I, I love sharing it on my Instagram, too. And, I mean, I'm so busy with school right now. I don't share as much as I want to. But I'm definitely going to be sharing once I graduate, like, recipes and tutorials and even just interacting with folks about what they're interested in and what things like that. But it's become another passion of mine to create medicine that you can take home with you, medicine that I can um, give to my, my patients who come to my clinic and who can take it with them in their purse or wherever they go and feel that support and that ally, that plant ally with them. Yes. Heaven, thank you so much for the vulnerability and beauty and integrity that you bring to your medicine, that you bring to just sharing your experience. I am absolutely aglow right now. This has been such a rewarding experience for me, and I really imagine that many listeners out there also will be stepping away with this with so much to contemplate within the heart and also with so much more courage that weaving our life can be that much more spacious and that much more smooth and compassionate. You you bring so much wisdom to to your walking this earth. Thank you so, so much. Uh, and for folks who are interested in uh, connecting with Heaven, I will have her contact information in the show outro as well as in the show notes. So please check out that. And with that, Heaven, thank you so much for, for being here. And one last question uh, I always close out from with all my guests is just if there's any less statement or words of wisdom or a blessing or anything that you'd like to share in closing. Yes. First, I want to say thank you, Eddie, because working with you is so beautiful. I've had such a great time, just the moments that we have shared words together just the way that you help bring things out of me. Like you have this thing where you just like pull and move things and you're, you're a total witch and I appreciate working with you. you. Um, But I also want to say, you know, connecting different aspects of our life and the teachings in every moment and the medicine in every moment, it's not going to be easy. Of course, just being comfortable with that discomfort, you know, being, being okay with things not being okay. That's, the beauty of the duality in our life and in our experiences and like you said authenticity knowing that we're not perfect and everything's perfectly perfect Hmm. you know just being okay with with those emotions that's a big takeaway that I had when I left Oaxaca and just being okay with the intense crying and the emotions that need to come out that need to move on you know it's it's, it takes a lot of courage to feel emotions and to express them. And that's a balance of the heart. That's a balance of the body to know that it's appropriate to cry when something sad happens, to be angry when something upsetting happens, and to know that they have a message for us. That's so important. So it's not going to be pretty and cute <laughs> and, you know, just like magical fairy dust all the time. It's, it's definitely going to get gritty and dark. And that's, you know, that's that, that's the, the gift of the, the darkness that is in our life and death and, you know, transformation and all of that. Yes. Thank you again so, so much. And I look forward to connecting again soon. Me too. Thanks to everyone who has stuck around to listen and to integrate what we've talked about today. And also to Kat for allowing us to be in her playground, in her audio playground. The music you heard on today's show is Green and Gold by Leanne Lajavas. Deep gratitude to Heaven Celeste Thunder for being our guest. Connect with Heaven on Instagram at Amomati Medicinals or via email at heaven.nunez at ocom.edu. You can find these links in our show notes. Follow me, Eri, on Instagram at birthbruja to continue the conversation of ancestral medicine and birth work. 
Join us next month as we launch another three-part series of the Birth Bruja podcast. I've been your host, Ari Guajardo Johnson. The Birth Bruja podcast is produced by Catherine Petru of We Rise. Be sure to check out show notes for links and resources. Follow us on SoundCloud and iTunes to help us expand the impact of this work. Until next time, my friends, thank you for all the ways you show up in this world. Blessings and gratitude. Thank you.